This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for June 28th, 2019. In this week's episode, a discussion of recently found malware, including one that bricks IoT devices, and a dive into all the betas available for your Apple devices. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Before we get into this week's news, Josh has an apology to make. No, it's a correction. But Josh made a little slip up in last week's episode, which I did correct in the show notes when I published it on Friday morning. But Josh would like to just mention that he is very sorry. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. So (laughs) I noticed after we recorded that I had misinterpreted netmarketshare.com. Um, because the way that their page loads by default, they're showing you a whole year's worth of data and ag- and, and averaging it all together. So, okay, this was when you were talking about the market share of the various versions of Mac OS. Yes, thank you. It looks like Mac OS 10.13 High Sierra was more popular than Mac OS 10.14 Mojave. Um, and it turns out that that's actually not the case. Um, it actually is a more logical Mojave and then High Sierra and so forth. The reason why it looks like that is because they're averaging this data over the past year. And well, Mojave hasn't been out a whole year yet. So it, it, you know, it makes sense that it would have shown 1013 a little higher. I don't understand why their site defaults to showing you the average over a year. It, exactly. It should. It should always be, let's say, the the latest month or so, and or it shouldn't be an average. Um, it, it's not a an average isn't useful, particularly as operating systems change and new devices come out, people upgrade. So if you were to look at iOS um, eleven at a given time before the next version comes out, uh, say a month before a new iPhone and a new version, and you take the average over twelve months. People are getting new phones, upgrading when iOS 12 comes out, but you're taking all the weight of that average in the previous year, and that's skewing everything. Yeah, sort of bizarre how they do that. But anyway, so that was, I guess, my mistake. So anyway, now we know. It's forgiven, Josh. <laughs> but this is this is a very good uh, reminder of how we need to look at statistics very carefully, that when companies present statistics of market share and sales and things like that, you cannot always take them at face value. You need to look at exactly how the data is used. Anyway, you're forgiven. So, Intego's been really busy finding new malware. Last week, we talked about OS X Linker, and this week, Intego has found two new types of Mac malware? That's right. Yeah. One of them uh, we, we published on as part of uh, an article I did uh, the other day where we talked about a bunch of other malware that has uh, has been in the news lately, and we talked about these the other ones last week, uh, Netwire and Mox, which are backdoor spy malware that was uh, distributed through a Firefox zero day vulnerability, and also Loudminer, aka Birdminer, which is uh, this weird, bizarre install a whole Linux operating system just to mine cryptocurrency on your computer. 
But a small Linux operating system. A small one, yes. <laughs> I have heard it said that this will be the year of Linux on the desktop. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I think I've heard that before um, quite a few times. I've heard that for the past 20 years, but go ahead. <laughs> and uh, so this other one, though, um, that I, I mentioned in that article is called OS 10 slash new tab. And it's called that because what this malware attempts to do is to inject tabs into the Safari browser. Um, we found samples going back to uh, April 21st. Um, and some of the file names are uh, kind of obvious indicators of deception because you have file names uh, such as government forms online installer dot app dot zip and quick and easy recipes installer dot app dot zip um if you've got to fill out a form for a government website they're not going to make you download a mac app uh that that's just not going to happen also, if you need recipes, you should not be really installing an app for that. That's something that, uh, you know, you can go to a website to get recipes. There's really no reason on a Mac to be installing an app to look at recipes. Oh, wait a second. No, no, I disagree. I use a very good Mac app for recipes. It's called Paprika. There's an iOS version as well. Um, it lets you search for recipes on the web, download them. It formats them correctly. Um, you can make uh, shopping lists from them. No, it's really good. So. You're wrong there. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, this is an app that I really like. I've got a, an old iPad in the kitchen, which I use it on. Uh, I keep it on my iPhone when I'm looking for something to cook. Is this on the Mac App Store? Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. So th- that's a little different because, like, it's something for you can get from the App Store, right? If if you don't go, if if you go to some random website and they are offering you quick and easy recipes installer dot app dot zip. I don't think that's such a great idea to download and install that. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. So anyway, um, this uh, this malware attempts to uh, to inject tabs into the Safari browser on Mac, um, and I believe that Intego is actually the first to detect this. Um, so that's another one to be aware of that we didn't talk about last week. Um, and then um, we've got an article coming up very soon about something that we are already detecting. Uh, Intego actually discovered this malware, and we're the first to detect it. Um, and it is called OS X Adspertame. That's Adspertame, like ads. Unlike Aspertame. Unlike Aspertame, yes. Um, and this is uh, some adware that was actually found um, uh, in the wild, this is not something that is like a proof of concept. This is, uh, this is actual malware that's out there in the wild and it's found on, uh, sites that are kind of a little bit sketchy, you know, that offer things like, you know, um, free digital downloads of some copyrighted comic books or things like that. Um, and, uh, and so you go to, to download this thing and then um, what you actually get is uh, is Adspertame malware. Um, so brand new, um, Intego is the only one detecting that. And we'll have a write-up about that very soon on the Mac security blog. And no extra calories because it's artificial sweetener. <laughs> um, I just want to mention something that I saw on Twitter today. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. I thought this is really interesting. Um, someone took a picture of a letter that they received in the mail. Um, many of our bank... Customers have reported that their debit cards have caught fire while they are in wallets 
and purses, and so as a precaution, we are issuing an urgent safety recall. This is a matter of the uppermost emergency, as your card could create a pocket fire at any given moment. (laughs) Burning your legs and stomach terribly, this is because of a fault in the factory process at our debit card factory in Moulton Keynes. There is actually a city in the UK called Milton Keynes. So they're asking people to send it back to Mr. Smith at the the Barclays debit card factory in Bangalore, India. (laughs) Okay. Creative. I I actually kind of like... I, I like the uh, the the name molten because it kind of reminds me, you know, of like things that are melting. So that's kind of clever. Yes, but there is a town called Milton Keynes um, in the <laughs> north of London, and so um, it was probably a typo and not a, an actual yes, clever yes. Uh, pun there. Yes, but remember, this is a matter of the uppermost emergency. So the uppermost. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think lovely. I mentioned uh, once that this goes back in the 1990s. I once received an airmail letter with one of those Nigerian scams, you know, the prince with millions of dollars, an actual letter. And I wish I had saved it because this was a piece of history. By the way, um, it actually starts out, dear costumer, not dear customer. Oh, I missed that. Yes. <laughs> dear costumer. Which is actually very common. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a great... Um, bit that there's a comedian who who has done some uh some things even did a a ted talk or two about um some fun interactions that he's had with spammers and uh and costumer uh evidently is something that's a fairly common thing they they misspell customer and instead put costumer yeah okay well if they work in the theater that might be a thing okay so here's another type of malware not mac not Mac at all. This is for IoT devices. If you're not familiar with the acronym IoT, it means Internet of Things, which is anything like a smart light bulb or a thermostat or a security camera, all these little gizmos that you buy and connect to your home network without thinking at all about their security. And some 14-year-old hacker seems to have been breaking into these devices and basically killing them. Right, exactly. And, and this is actually not the first time that we've seen something like this before. Um, it's, it's becoming something that uh, we see, I don't know, at least a, two or three times a year, if not more than that, where um, there's some IoT malware. We don't always talk about it here just because it's not directly related to Macs. But you know what? I mean, it's becoming more and more common that uh, everybody starts to have more Internet of Things devices in their homes. These Internet-connected appliances, or as you said, even light bulbs sometimes. Um, so what's what's interesting about this malware is that um, rather than trying to do something really clever and surreptitious like mining cryptocurrency on your on your light bulb it's what it's actually doing is it's just breaking it it's it's this is a bricker bot meaning that uh it turns your device into you know something as worthless as a brick bricks so, aren't that um, worthless but i see the point it's more that bricks are <laughs> inanimate i think um, it, and, in terms of yeah, technology, right? Yes, yeah, and, and the article says that these seem to have been carried out as a joke or out of malice. Um, and so the initial Brickerbot author, uh, the article we're linking to in ZDNet, says that the person argued that it would be better if the devices were destroyed rather than sit around as cannon fodder for DDoS botnets and haunting the internet for years. DDoS is distributed denial of service. And what happens is people log into devices and then they can send commands to them to 
send commands to Flutter Web Server, which is what denial of service is. Yeah, and although that might sound kind of insane, um, it's actually not an original concept, the idea that of infecting a device in order to prevent some worse infection from happening. There, there have actually been a lot of documented cases of this happening throughout time. Uh, and, uh, and just IOT devices are now the next thing on the list where people are actually trying to infect them to break them before someone else can do something much worse with that device by infecting it. It's illegal. It's still illegal, but, um, but it is, you know, it, it's not, it's not something we recommend that anyone try to do, uh, to go out and infect other people's devices just to, to, uh, to be the first one to do it so no one else can get in. Um, obviously that's, it's still not a good thing to do and, and, and not a good thing that people are doing this, but it, it's, it's good to be aware of. If you do have IOT devices, make sure to check for updates. If there is a way to do that with your device, um, so that hopefully you won't fall victim to something like this. And if there's a default admin, uh, username and password, change the password because those default passwords are all over the internet. You can just look up the name of your device and find the default password. So I spotted something this week, which I think is a very interesting uh, new security feature of Microsoft OneDrive. There's going to be something called the Personal Vault that you can use to protect a specific folder on OneDrive with two-factor authentication. And we're linking to an article in The Verge that says it's designed for files like copies of passports, identification cards, or more sensitive personal financial information. I think this is a good idea because if someone hacks into your OneDrive account, or imagine any other cloud account... There is an extra protection um, that means that they won't get into this part. I think you can already use two-factor on OneDrive itself, but this would be like a second layer of two-factor authentication. Yeah, that, that's actually really clever. Um, it, you don't really see a lot um, of ways to do things like this where there's only a portion of a service or, or a, like a section or a link that you can send somebody that requires two-factor authentication. So it's kind of clever that they're doing something like this. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the latest Apple betas because all the public betas have come out for iOS, macOS, watchOS, tvOS, oh, let's not forget iPadOS. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac, or switch to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today and then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout to save 50%. That's PODCAST19 to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. 
So this week, Apple released public betas of macOS, iOS, iPadOS, watchOS, tvOS. That's five public betas. And we've talked about betas, and we've talked about public betas in the past. And so the first thing is, just because you can install them doesn't mean you should. These are betas. If you don't know what beta software is, it's an early version of software, pre-release. It's unfinished. It has bugs. There may be interface elements that don't work or that aren't positioned correctly. The the initial betas that came out in June uh, were for developers. People like you and I who have developer accounts, we're eligible to download them and install them. The public beta is something that Apple's been doing for a few years now to get more feedback uh, into the features. And I guess there are, did they say last year there were a million people who downloaded the public betas? There's a lot of people who like to play around and yet don't want to pay the $99 for the developer account. So they get the public betas. Um, Josh, I know you're not too into installing these betas. I, I do so because for my writing work, I need to have an idea of what's going on and what the new features are. Uh, but do you have any interest in trying out these betas yourself? Um, yeah, I, I, I haven't installed the Catalina public beta yet. I do have um, a virtual machine uh, with uh, the, the first developer release, and I haven't really had a chance to play around with it too much yet. Um, I think the main thing that I would be interested in is, um, you know, kind of testing to see what uh, known attacks against Macs still work, you know, or whether Apple is, has Im- implemented any new mitigations for known existing attacks and things like that. Um, so that's, that's something that, uh, I would like to play around with, but I just, I haven't had time yet, to be honest. That, that's a good point. See, I don't think of it that way. I think of it for me as a preview of the features to be able to potentially write about them once the operating system comes out. And, so technically, with a developer account, I have a non-disclosure agreement with Apple that I'm not allowed to talk about any of these things. But there are plenty of websites that are. I tend to be cautious about it, and I don't really want to say anything publicly until the public betas come out, at which point you have to consider, you know, all bets are off. Anyone can talk about it because so many people have it. Um, well, the first thing to remember is that when you install a beta, it is a beta. Your machine can crash. You can lose data. So don't ever install it on a production machine or device Always make a backup of your device first. You mentioned that you have yours on a virtual machine with, what, VMware Fusion or Parallels Desktop. Um, that's one good way to do it. It's, it's a little bit slower than the other methods. What, what I'd done in the past is I would install it on an external SSD, so then I could boot my laptop off the SSD. My laptop is my second Mac that I use for testing and um, preparing environments for screenshots and screencasts and all that. So... Um, this year, I realized that there is a better way to do it. You can install macOS as a separate APFS container. So APFS is the uh, Apple file system, which was introduced uh, with macOS High Sierra 10.13 uh, and with iOS 10.3, tvOS 10.2, watchOS 3.2. Uh, what APFS does is it gives you an enormous amount of flexibility in... I'm not going to say partitioning a volume because the term partition isn't used anymore, but with an APFS volume, a volume being a disk, you can create a container inside the volume to install another operating system. Now, I'll link in the show notes to an article on Apple's website, installing macOS on a separate APFS volume, and they mentioned that this is a good thing to do if you're using a beta version of macOS. When you go into Disk Utility, you select your drive, and you click the plus icon in the toolbar, there's plus and minus volume, 
and it asks you if you want to add an APFS volume to the container, and you set it up. You don't have to set a size at all. Uh, it resizes itself. It's really clever. Uh, you know, it, you remember in the past, you would have a hard drive, and you'd partition it into three or four partitions. You'd have your main partition, and you'd have your maybe your data on one, and your operating system and applications on another, and your media and all. Don't even have to do that anymore. You can just do these volumes. You don't have to erase the drive as you used to do. What's interesting is with Catalina, the way it's set up, um, when you install a drive for Catalina, it creates two volumes. The first one is the main volume, which is the operating system and apps, and the second one is data. Now, the main volume has much higher uh, protection than a current macOS volume, and all your data is on a separate volume. Now, I'm not too sure how this works in the background because you don't see it unless you're looking in disk utility to see the different volumes or unless you're looking at your drives. Uh, but it gives you an enormous amount of flexibility. So if you were to install, let's say, the Catalina public beta on a Mac using an APFS volume, you wouldn't have the slowdown that you get from either an external SSD or a virtual machine. That's interesting. So I guess um, the concept behind this is somewhat similar to the idea of partitioning, which you mentioned. Um, partitioning was the process like where you would actually have to kind of chop up your disk into multiple separate uh, mountable volumes. Um, and now it the, the process is... Uh, it's it's similar, but it seems like with APFS, it gives you the flexibility to do this much more easily on the fly. Um, in the past, uh, it was a little bit more complicated to do this, especially with HFS Plus, which was the the previous the previous file system that uh, Apple had used for many years since I think, gosh, way back to what was it? Was it Mac OS eight point one or even earlier than that? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, and uh, so. So this was um, a really kind of outdated file system uh, by today's standards. And so um, so APFS seems like it gives a lot more flexibility with being able to, on the fly, you know, resize. Essentially, it does all the resizing and stuff for you when you create a new, when you create a new APFS volume. Yeah, I'm looking on Wikipedia talking about APFS, and it says that APFS adds the ability to have multiple logical drives referred to as volumes, in the same container where free space is available to all volumes in that container. So the top level is technically a container, and then the volumes are the equivalent of what we know as volumes, which could have been partitions. But what's interesting is that free space is available, and whichever one needs it gets the free space. Whereas previously, when you partitioned a disk, you would have to say, I don't know, you've got a, a 500 gigabyte disk, and you put two partitions, 250 and 250. Well, you couldn't really easily change them. Now, you could in recent versions of Mac OS in disk utility, but it would depend on where files are written and it, it, there were some limitations. Whereas here, this looks incredibly flexible. Um, so the point being, if you do want to install uh, the public beta of Catalina, do this. Don't go messing around and just installing it over your current uh, Mac's operating system because there will be things that go wrong. Uh, I, I know that some people on... Uh, Twitter that I've been following have said that there's lots of bugs more than in any other public beta. I've seen a few. Um, again, I'm using the developer betas, but the developer beta that I'm using is probably the same as the current public beta. But there are betas. There are going to be bugs. We're in the end of June. This is going to come out, what, September, maybe even October, and you have to expect that. Yeah, I, I think this is a really cool tip, uh, Kirk. So the, I, I think that's a 
something that I might consider trying. I still don't know that I would want to set this up on my main system, <laughs> but... But, Josh, of course you will back up your main system yes. first with Intego Personal Backup. You'll make a clone, and if anything happens, you erase it and you restore the clone, right? Because everyone should back up their main system before they install a beta in any way, right? Uh, of course. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so the same goes for iOS, except you don't have APFS volumes. Um, don't use your main iOS device. I've got an iPod Touch, and I think I'm going to take one of my iPads uh, and put iPad OS on it. Don't put the tvOS beta on your Apple TV because I don't know if you've ever tried to restore an Apple TV, but it's like you can't do it. That There's no plug that you can plug into iTunes anymore to restore it. Uh, I'm not even sure how you would go about doing it without taking it to an Apple store. I guess you could do it on an Apple Watch if you really want to, but you have to be like bleeding edge daredevil to, to use all of these operating systems now. So what I generally do is for Mac OS, I use the, the betas, the developer betas until we get to the golden master. We've talked about this in previous yeah. years. Um, the golden master is the final version, um, just before the actual release of the operating system. So it's going to be the version that will be released in most cases as the official operating system release. And this dates back to uh, the days when they would make a special golden DVD or CD that would then be used for reproducing uh, and boxing and shipping to stores. Remember back in the day, we bought things in stores that came in boxes. We had to put these pieces of plastic in our computers to, to read them. Yeah, CDs or even before that, floppy disks. I remember some uh, some video games that I used to get on floppy disks. Oh, uh, yeah, that was the day. Yep. So when the Golden Masters come out, I generally install them at least on my Mac, my, my second Mac, my iPhone, and one of my iPads. Um, I'm still a little bit hesitant at that point because there have been issues in the past with Golden Masters that have had problems and that have been second Golden Masters released. But by that time, it's pretty much stable. But you should always, always back up your devices. Uh, if if you have iOS devices and you back them up to iCloud, you should also back them up to iTunes. I'll, I'll link to an article on the Intego Mac Security blog about that. Uh, there are elements that get backed up to iTunes that don't get backed up to iCloud. Uh, so I think it's really important that you do an iTunes backup. And if you're using the macOS Catalina beta and you don't see iTunes, then remember that this functionality is part of the Finder now. Exactly. There's no more iTunes. In fact, I'll link to my article about uh, iTunes uh, disappearing, being uh, decapitated on the <laughs> Intego Mac security blog. So all of this is in the um, previously bloated Finder that is now additionally bloated by adding sync features for iOS devices as well as backup features. Um, so it's summertime, and if you have some time to play around, you have an extra Mac or you can put an APFS volume on one of your drives, feel free to download the public beta. Think twice about whether it's, I mean, unless you have a whole bunch of iPhones, um, probably not a good idea to install it on your iPhone. And in, in a way, it gives you a, a way of discovering the new features. Uh, iPad OS is a, is a big change to iOS, and there are some features there that are totally new. So you might want to play around with that if you're really, you know, daring. Yeah, it, you know, this is a bit like something that we'll talk about on next week's episode, uh, how I use Chrome Canary, which is the bleeding edge version of Google's Chrome browser. Uh, you can have the bleeding edge version of Mac OS or iOS if you really want to. Yeah, and you can do it once a year if you want. Until next week, Josh, we're going to have a special episode where we look at browsers for Mac OS and iOS. Stay secure.
All right. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.